Kassat Podcast Network. In episode six, Paul and Amy talk about how to effectively use intentional questions and reflections. For episode resources, contact us, and other information, please visit the Lions and Tigers and Bears MI website at nfartech.org forward slash MI podcast. That's nfartec.org forward slash MI podcast. and Tigers and Bears, MI, an interactive podcast focused on the evidence-based practice of motivational interviewing, a method of communication that guides toward behavior change while honoring autonomy. I'm Amy Shanahan. And I'm Paul Warren. And we've worked together over the past 10 years. We've been facilitating MI learning collaboratives and providing trainings and coaching sessions focused on the adoption and refinement of MI. We're also members of the Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers. Join us in this adventure into the forest where we explore and get curious about what lies behind the curtain of MI. So we're on our sixth episode. We are. The Tigers and Bears, MI. Yes. And I'm, I'm looking forward to having this particular conversation about questions and reflections. Mm-hmm. Because uh, as we talked about earlier in one of the earlier episodes, we talked about how people often equate the practice of motivational interviewing with the skills that are used. And questions are certainly the O of, no, well, they're, they are, they're the O of ORs. That's Mm -hmm. the open questions. Right. And uh, reflections are also part of that tool box. Right. Those in and of themselves, though, don't equal the practice of motivational interviewing. That's right. I remember hearing Bill Miller, and if he's listening and this is incorrect, he could send us an email and let us know. (laughs) Please email us, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) There is an email for Lions and Tigers and Bears podcast. Uh, So, remembering and I, it was really funny when they kind of even whispered into the microphone if i recall at one of the forums saying hey guess what steve and i didn't invent the oars they've been around a long time <laughs> i would have lo- i would have loved to have heard bill say that because <laughs> i i often will say in a training folks Shocking news. Mm. Bill Miller and Stephen Rolnick did not create the open-ended question, the affirmation, the reflection, or the summary. Right. They're just skills and strategies that they know work for Mm. the intention of having a conversation with people about behavior change that they're ambivalent about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So oftentimes we talk about how many reflections versus questions we could use to make our skills. Um, I don't, I don't know how to say it because I think it's not right or wrong. It's maybe stronger or enhancing our practice versus Mm -hmm. right or wrong. Hmm. What are your thoughts about that? 
Well, you're referring to the ratio of two reflections to every question. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, and I, I really appreciate that you're not framing it as right or wrong. Uh, it is interesting to me, though, that like the mighty, which is one of the coding instruments, mm -hmm. specifically looks at with the behavior counts, it looks at the ratio of reflections to questions. questions. Mm -hmm. So the instrument itself is even looking for that. And the implication is that one is probably more am I congruent or am I effective if you are doing more reflections as opposed to questions. And I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. I think it makes a lot of sense when you think about the notion of what a reflection, the skill of a reflection does. To me, two things I think about is a reflection is that mirroring of what the person said, mm -hmm. the underlying lying meaning of what they might have said. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing, that mirror of what they said. And reflections often can also be an evocative strategy where it draws out more information from them. So there's mm. times when you could choose to use a question and a reflection would work just as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I really want to underline that you just said you could choose to use a reflection mm -hmm. because I think the thing we always have to come back to is the intentionality of the skill choice in the moment. And I know we're talking about this in, in kind of, uh, I don't know, analytic sort of way, like, mm -hmm. you know, thinking about which skill you're going to use in the moment. And oftentimes when you're practicing motivational interviewing or when I'm practicing it and I'm in the moment with the person, I don't, I, I have to let the moment dictate to me whether a question open or closed is warranted or whether a reflection simple or complex or double-sided or amplified is most appropriate for that particular moment. And I want to choose whatever skill I'm going to use intentionally so that it's relating back to the behavioral change goal. Which is the glory of motivational interviewing and the thing that we talked about in an earlier episode about it being deceptively simple mm -hmm. and that it's not, uh, it's not a model. There's no recipe for mm -hmm. what you do and when, which is what I recall Bill Miller talking about how MI came about when people were asking him, students were asking him, why did you choose that question? Why did you mm -hmm. say that particular reflection um, is when he realized this notion of being directional with someone about their behavior change. And I just lost my train of thought. So <laughs> it was about, um, yeah, that MI is not something that we could prescribe to a practitioner or what skills a practitioner could use. Oftentimes in a training or coaching someone, I might get a question of, well, what reflection would you use or what question would you use? And there's not a black and white answer to it. It depends on the situation, mm -hmm. the relationship you have with a particular person in this moment could be different than it will be next week. So even in that moment, you're choosing 
to use the skill that seems most appropriate at that time. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I appreciate the nuance of what you're talking about because I've gotten that same question like, well, you know, which reflection would you use as if it's just the execution of the skill, mm. the quote unquote right skill at that moment that's going to make the conversation move forward? I, th I think the thing that's interesting about that, that people often, the subtlety of it is sometimes missed in practice. And I, I mean like rehearsal, as Bill would call it, when you're in a class and you're practicing reflections or whatever, because practice is when you're actually with the person, yeah, the client. Mm -hmm. But when you're rehearsing, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, sometimes what will get lost is how the reflection is offered. Mm, right. Because tone of voice is particularly critical. And that's harder sometimes to demonstrate in a stop and start scenario of practice. Toning and, and um, I love that because the tone of voice is so important and it's all around the spirit that we talk about. And the other thing is timing. I, I remember having a conversation with, with someone in a training and we were talking about the use of an amplified reflection, which is important to note the tone because we could use an amplified reflection that could sound sarcastic and that would be incongruent with the spirit mm -hmm. and using the tone of sarcasm might come across as judgmental, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and perhaps waiting until you had an engaging relationship with somebody or connected with somebody before you chose to do it. And we were exploring that very thing and it became almost dogmatic. Like, well, you should only use um, that reflection at a certain time. And then the, pra the practitioners practiced using them and found that hmm, amplified reflections could work in the beginning of a conversation, depending on the situation. So it was really fun to have a group of people that felt comfortable and safe to try them on and see how they fit in that moment. Instead of it being uh, the teacher said, or Amy Shanahan said, this is how and when you should use it. Yeah. And I, and I think especially for folks learning, am I, um, there is a desire to want to hold on to some sort of definitive structure. Somebody just said to me the other day um, in a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, they said, well, what's the order that I should use ors? And like, should I do an open-ended question first, followed by a reflect? And I was like, no, the order is dictated by what the moment. Mm. And, and, and again, I can appreciate the desire for kind of a cookbook or a recipe. And with MI that, you know, we certainly know that there are certain things absolutely not to do. Yeah. But the idea of that, like, you know, there's only one right way to respond in this moment. Uh, I think that would be stretching things to suggest that that were the case. You know, I'm thinking about the notion of rehearsal, and I love mm. that comparison that when we're, when we're rehearsing, we're not really with a patient person that we're helping. We're rehearsing with each other, like, like we do in our practice sessions together as practitioners. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I recall that the, the more I do the rehearsal is when I'm in my head wondering what should I say or do when I'm with someone that I'm helping in practice, mm -hmm. I try not to worry too, too much. Although I think about what I'm going to say, that notion of that you mentioned and that you've trained and on and help me articulate the use of intentionality or thinking about intentionality. When I'm in a session with someone, I have intention and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say or do based on them, not based on whether or not I should use two reflections or one question. Mm -hmm. And I think in time I've learned with my rehearsals of practicing with others, with, with you all, that <laughs> you can choose to use more reflections that could be just as effective as a question. And I'm, mm. I'm wondering, what do you think about and what do you hear from others or perhaps from your own experience? When does that shift that you're not worried about? Am I using an open-ended question or a reflection or should I use an affirmation here or not? Where does it shift that you get out of your head more and you're just coming from your heart and being intentional and strategic with a person you're working with? Well, you know, I think that shift is different for everybody. And, and I remember once uh, I had the great opportunity to work with this uh, gentleman who was at a, a methadone program in New York City. He was one of the clinicians there and he was, he was very eager. He was really hungry to practice MI, to learn about it. And he said to me, he described his shift and his shift was, he said, you know something? I, I, I know now what it feels like to practice MI. Mm -hmm. And and he talked about how he shifted away from relying entirely on questions because he knew what it felt like to actually offer a reflection, an intentional reflection connected to the behavioral change goal and what that would, what the response would be to that reflection. Mm. And, and it, it just really stuck with me. His name was Kevin. It really stuck with me the way he framed it. Like I could, I could feel myself doing it. Right. Yeah. That that's really cool. Cause I was thinking I can't pinpoint a certain time. And at the same time, there are times when I'm still in my head, but I don't think it's about whether or not I'm using which skill mm. more so than what is my intention with this person in this moment? I hope. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it, it's a shift. And there was some point where I stopped thinking too, too much about it. And again, I, I yeah, I liked how Kevin put it. I just felt it. Mm -hmm. I feel it. And, mm -hmm. um, and to get back, to get into some of the reflect other things that people say about reflections um, in some of the trainings that I've been doing. Um, and, and, you know, I, I look at my evaluations for my training so that sure. I could <laughs> improve on what I do, hopefully. <laughs> is sometimes it pops up in the the evaluations that a practitioner participant would say that they um, thought we spent too much time practicing reflections. And I think in my head, 
well, I'm not going to change that one (laughs) 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 because I want us to practice more reflections, especially if I do more than a one day training and I have the group longer Mm -hmm. and, and we've had the opportunity to create a safe environment for that practice. By the end of day one, you start to see that I start to see the discomfort as we'll do maybe a practice round of batting practice of just practicing reflections. I tell them that we're specifically only practicing reflections to see how it feels, to see what happens. And by the midday two, they're more eager to do batting practice in the morning. Not so much. But by midday, they're like, okay, I want to do that again because they get a sense of what the intention of our practice is. What I hear from them in detail is they feel uncomfortable making a guess and Mm. a hypothesis about what someone might be saying. So when we talk about formulating a complex reflection, some people will say, I don't feel comfortable telling someone how they feel. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard that many times. And I'll tell you, I think the reason that people gravitate more toward questions as opposed to reflections is somehow they think it's more honest <laughs> because wow. they're not telling the person how they feel. They're asking them how they mm-hmm. feel. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing about that, um, honesty aside for a minute, uh, the thing that's interesting to me about that is the the part that's easier for people not to see is that the question actually has much more to do with their agenda than mm-hmm. it actually has to do because it's information that I, as the worker, want to collect. I'm not telling the client what they feel, but I'm asking them what I want to know. Mm-hmm. And the reflection invites the client to tell us more about what they want to tell us. I really like that. I don't think I've ever heard it articulated that way, Paul. And it really puts a nice line around thinking about questions are about me wanting to get information, maybe more so than a reflection is about what that person said. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want anyone to listen to this uh, and and come away with thinking that questions are bad. They right. are not. They are part of the toolbox. When an intent, when a question is intentional and it's related to the behavioral change goal, it can be very effective because, hello, if you look at all the strategies about evoking change talk, they are simply crafted and specific types of open-ended questions. Mm. An example, you know, so when you stop doing heroin, what do you think your life will be like? That's a, that's an intentional open-ended question that we're going to get some change talk possibly. Right. So I don't want anyone to walk away thinking questions are bad. And I mean, closed questions get a, a really bad reputation Amy, is it okay if I ask you a question? Right. That's a closed question. It's a closed question and it's asking permission. And that can be a really powerful thing to do. Yeah. One of the closed questions that I hear a lot is, can you tell me more about that? And splitting hairs about, because some closed questions, depending on your relationship, you might elicit more information 
because you have an engaging relationship with somebody or someone feels comfortable enough to give you more information. Mm -hmm. And if I said to you, hey, can you tell me more about what you think about this? You might give me more information or say, "Mm, no, I can't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it makes me think too, I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar with this, the idea of what's called a spoiled reflection. Mm, Have you ever heard that? that? I think I have when we were talking about coding recently, because I've had a couple spoiled reflections and I was just going to talk about the level of confidence that the reflection can come across as a confident hypothesis, even though I'm wrong when I'm not feeling confident and I'm going to introduce it, maybe you'll share it. That becomes, could become a spoiled reflection. Could you explain to the listeners what that is? Yeah, I, I mean, as best I can, which is that I've heard people do empathetic, deep, complex reflections where they're reflecting back. And again, remember, a reflection ends in a period, not a question mark. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've heard, I've listened to audio recordings and I've heard people do these really skilled reflections and they'll, they'll do the reflection and then they'll go, right. Right. But they don't say, right. The no, they do. The... No, they do actually oh, they say, say right. right. Okay. Yeah. So they turn that great reflection into a closed question Which asking that... for confirmation. Right. I was going to say in that situation, then it becomes about the worker asking Correct. the help, the person they're helping to affirm, are they on the right track? Correct. Correct. And I just we- cut you off. Yes. Yeah, no, no, it's a, no, it's perfectly okay. And that's the difference mm-hmm. between putting a reflection out there, mm-hmm. period, being quiet and letting the person react to it. So there's two additional things that I've experienced myself mm-hmm. in that particular time when we were um, rehearsing together and you gave me, and we listened to one of my recordings and I even was thinking to myself, I know about the tone of voice. I know not to raise my voice at the end of a statement because without saying right, that also makes it a question, right? You're angry about that? Like if I raise my voice at the end, I'm asking you to affirm, am I right? When I feel confident about my listening and my, you know, bringing the heart of, of it to the table, I'm okay to offer a reflection that's incorrect. And I've noticed that there's been times when I've probably been with people that I'm, for some reason, I don't feel as confident and it ends up me asking, am I right? Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. So it goes back to that notion of fluidity of MI and the relationship that you are with the person and who who's at the table with you and knowing, having that intention in your head of what it is that you're doing next. And again, questions and reflections, questions aren't bad. Mm-mm. And you have an opportunity to flatten it at the end and practice it that way and see. And I love that, Paul, that you added put the period at the end of it and pause. Because the other thing that I was going to mention was that oftentimes I hear, and I've done it recently as well in that recording. And I think in hindsight, I might've felt a little nervous or uncomfortable in that interaction for some reason. I think it was too close of a friend that I was rehearsing with. 
um, that I noted, I didn't feel very comfortable mm. is people want to follow up a reflection with a quick question. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. pausing is really a powerful strategy to practice to see what it, happens. It is. It, it's, it's a critical strategy to practice because reflections can be extremely powerful mm-hmm. and the pause allows the reflection to have its weight and to do its work. Yeah. And if we follow up with a quick question, if we tack on a question mark at the end, we've depowered the reflection. And you know something, let's address two types of discomfort that people feel about reflections. And you've, you raised one already. Actually, you raised both of them. The first one is, I don't, I don't feel comfortable making an assumption here and telling this person what they're feeling. Okay. You sound so, like John Wayne. Uh, well, that was my, <laughs> uh, my intention. <laughs> so, so let's say John makes a reflection. <laughs> I love it. And, and he may spoil it because mm-hmm. he feels uncomfortable with that. And let's put mm-hmm. that discomfort right on the table. You are not telling the person that that's what they're feeling. You're giving your best hunch with the reflection. We're guided by MI spirit. We're doing, we're, we're doing our best to communicate to that person. I'm, I'm trying to understand what it is you're really communicating to me. Mm-hmm. That's different than saying, hello, I'm the expert and I'm telling you what you feel. That's right. very different. It's a different spirit. Mm-hmm. Both have their places, but we're talking about motivational interviewing. So if you have that discomfort, know that you have it. And maybe what you can consider is that with a reflection, you are simply communicating. I am deeply listening and I want to accurately understand what it is you're communicating. And with a reflection ending in a period We then, because it's a reflection, the person is free to go further. Mm -hmm. And I like to think of that as an invitation. Yeah, I really like that notion of the invitation. To me, I have sometimes gotten more information a lot of times when my hunch was a little off. For example... If I said to someone, well, you're really angry about that. And the person comes back and says, well, no, I wouldn't call it anger. I would call it frustration. And this is why. And, and they start to share more data with. So that's that whole notion of I'm listening to understand. Mm-hmm. And you're giving me more information because you trust that I did it with empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. And, and the heart is there. And I think I shared that story in an earlier episode about a woman who did that very thing and said to the father, you're really frustrated. And he corrected her and said, no, I'm really angry. And, he, and, and it was intimidating to her. And she was worried about that. And then later she reported in our practice group that he came back 
the following session, which was surprising to her. And he apologized and he thanked her. He apologized for being intimidating. It wasn't his intention. And he thanked her because he felt validated and listened to. So when we're dealing with some strong emotions, it could be it could be nerve wracking when you're putting out a hypothesis about what someone's thinking and feeling and mm -hmm. they're, they're already charged with some energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And your point's really well taken because a reflection has the ability to tap into that energy, mm -hmm. which again, that's the motor for change in right. a lot of ways. And, you know, you make me think Amy that the, you know, the second element or type of discomfort is, is sitting with the idea that like, I was wrong. Mm. And you know, it, it's not about being right. It's not about being wrong. And, and your example is a beautiful one. Like here, somebody did a reflection or you did a reflection and the person came back and said, no, actually it's not that it's this. Mm -hmm. So that's a win-win because you did a reflection, it invited the person to say more, and you got deeper understanding of yeah. where that person was coming from. Yeah, I remember times when I would feel embarrassed, like I got it wrong and that I'm supposed to get it right. And thinking again, I think if I had to summarize what's really powerful to me about reflections is the notion of intentionality. It's my intention to let that person know that I'm listening to understand mm -hmm. and intentionally giving them back what they said, because we know that the intention of guiding a person is to help them talk themselves into change. Mm -hmm. So giving them back their words, even if they come back and say it was a little off, they're just, it's a back and forth mirroring and reflection of what they are saying. It's a style of communication and conversation between two collaborative partners. So if the person comes back to you and says, well, no, it's actually this, the conversation continues and the possibility for change continues. Yes. You know, we, we established early on in this conversation that Questions open or closed are neither bad nor good. They're part of the toolkit. Reflections, part of the toolkit. We want to be using any of the ors with intentionality. And I think it's also important to acknowledge, and I'd be interested to know if you agree with this, Amy, but it's been my experience that sometimes reflections are the most difficult skill for people to grasp and to be able to demonstrate and practice effectively. I agree and can confirm from my own practice and experience that when we talk about people coming to the room of training or practice and coaching, thinking they're already doing this, uh, I did too. Uh, I am doing, I'm doing, am I? Yes. Reflections were a jaw dropping moment for me. And I, and thus how we came to the lions and tigers and bears. Am I being in the forest? A little scary. 
a little unnerving at times because I went to go pick that apple off the tree and didn't expect the tree to slap my hand. It, at the same time, when we were practicing reflections, I thought, oh, this should be easy. Uh, and it wasn't. And it took safety. It took practice. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of exploring. And one thing that I would like to offer to listeners to consider is if you don't have someone to listen to your tapes, listen to them yourself until you can find someone to coach and mentor and listen and, and help guide you through the forest down the yellow brick road of your own MI practice. Um, because that was really helpful. I didn't realize what I didn't know from habits, years of habits of language I use. And um, I was asking questions instead of reflections and thought I was using reflections. Mm -hmm. And, and certainly having a colleague like yourself or, or others to work with uh, is ideal. And that if you don't have that option currently, um, being able to raise your awareness, because let's face it, if you listen to your own audio recording, you're probably going to be able to tell, oh, I asked a question. Oh, I just asked another question. I just asked another question. So if if nothing else comes out of it, you will get a sense of how much am I really relying on questions mm -hmm. and how are those questions related to the behavioral change goal and are they creating conversation or am I just collecting information? Right. And the most important thing Am I helping and guiding a person to explore their ambivalence in a non-judgmental way, mm. whether I'm using a question or a reflection and hopefully more reflections than questions? Mm -hmm. You know, you saying that really makes me want to underline, uh, I think people are pretty familiar with what a question is. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think, you know, I want to reiterate the idea that reflections end in a period and you, you did a great job of demonstrating how something that could be a reflection because of the inflection of the voice turns into a question. Mm -hmm. and, and I would say, um, and by all means supplement this, Amy, but I would say there are probably three types of reflections that are the most common reflections that are used. There's a simple reflection, mm -hmm. which is repeating back to the person reflecting what's on the surface. There's a complex reflection, which is the added meaning, what's being said, what's being communicated, but not necessarily communicated in the words, mm -hmm. more the way. And then there's the double-sided reflection, joined by the word and, not but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think the thing that I would add to that is... Mm -hmm. The S of the ORs, which is not the focus of our podcast, and at the same time, it's a series of reflections, yes. and brings me to a point about reflections and summaries, just to wrap up some thoughts that have been going on in my practice, that when a reflection is really long, or summaries are sometimes beyond four reflections, I've noticed that people get lost in the words. Mm -hmm. 
So I think I would add just to wrap up some of the things, some points that we'd want to share about questions and reflections is sometimes less is more Mm -hmm. about the reflection and about our words that we put on the table and ensure that the person is talking more and that we're putting their words on the table and reflections help guide that to happen more, I think is why we put such emphasis on reflections. Mm -hmm. And the thing I'm really taking away from what you're saying as well is that it's possible to increase one's proficiency or skill at using reflections because Mm -hmm. let's face it, sometimes we might do a reflection that's really, really long and wordy. And a reflection is usually one thing. Right. And it's simply reflecting it back. I've heard situations in tapes too where people are practicing reflections, but what they're really doing is they're doing a summary every time they want to do a reflection. Mm. So they, they incorporate everything that they've heard and offer that. Mm. And, and then they get to another point in the conversation and they incorporate everything again and offer that point. So they're really doing summaries instead of reflections. And again, a reflection, I like to think of a reflection sometimes is you can think of it as a breadcrumb on the path. Mm. And it, it helps the person to go just that one step further on the path. And, you know, Miller and Rolnick use that wonderful analogy of a summary as a bouquet. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a collection of the, those change talk reflections that we hand back to the person. And again, the, the skill in that is making sure that the person doesn't get lost in it. That's really neat. I like the analogy of, uh, the crumbs on the path are the reflections and the bouquet could happen maybe midway down the path, down the yellow brick road. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's getting too much. No. <laughs> uh, so the, you know, we can, <laughs> did we, we can, mention, did we mention that this podcast is lions and tigers and bears? Am I <laughs> maybe a time or two or three. Maybe. <laughs> So uh, the bouquet could be handed midway down the path as we look back and see where we've been and where we're where we came from and now where we're going. Mm-hmm. The bouquet could happen at the end when we get at the end of the path and transition to what next, where to now. Mm-hmm. So there's intention for summaries as well. Just wanted to add that to the analogy of when you can stop and hand a bouquet back. And to your point, I think it's so important that we want to capture everything. And and it goes to the piece that we're talking about, about how difficult reflections are to practice. So I don't know what to reflect on because that person just said 10 different things Mm -hmm. and the notion of intentionality. So I'm coming up to the morsels of what I take away from our conversation Mm. is the intentionality that am I speaking to this person about their ambivalence about that change behavior? Am I using a summary right now to hand a bouquet back because they just said some other things that may or may not relate to that change behavior. Mm -hmm. 
And am I listening with the intention to understand and giving them back their own words, adding some meaning so that they get a sense that I am leaning in to mirror back what I think they're saying and setting up the environment for them to give me more information to adjust some things and give me more information about what they are saying Mm. so that they're talking themselves into their own change instead of me doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you make me want to add, um, you know, one more thing Mm -hmm. about reflections and summaries and any of the tools and especially around summaries, because again, we know there are a collection of reflections. When we practice MI, we do want to be intentional about what tools we're using based on what's happening in that moment and based on what the behavioral change goal is. And we also want to be selective. And I want to underline the selectivity and you prompt me to want to do this, Amy, because you mentioned summaries, is that a a simple example of the selectivity is, is when we do the summary, we're going to err on the side of selectively summarizing and handing back the change talk that's going to move this person toward the change goal. Mm. We may have attended to a lot of sustained talk during the conversation. We're probably going to omit that or only refer to it in a very general sense at the beginning of a summary, if we're going to include it at all. So, Yes, we want to be intentional and we also want to be selective. And I want to draw a distinction because some people will say, well, isn't that just another word for manipulation? Mm, Oh, good question. Yes. And my answer is no. And the reason I can say no with a, with an honest heart. Confidence. Mm -hmm. Well, more with an honest heart Mm -hmm. is because I'm only reflecting back the change talk that the client offered. Mm. I'm not making anything up. I'm not telling them what to do. I'm using what they gave in the conversation. And I'm selectively and intentionally composing it in the summary and handing it back. That is a really important distinction that a reflection is really giving them back their own change talk. You're not telling them what to do. You're not convincing them. And you're not adding your own words and agenda to, yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the reflection. And if you are, maybe then you would be persuasive. Yes. And and people dip into persuasion. (laughs) And that's the beauty of reflecting on one's practice. And, and I think it's misleading by programs, by organizations, if they communicate to folks, your job is to persuade this person. Mm. I, I think that's troublesome or troubling or both. Mm. <laughs> and I think it's troubling because if you think about the reality of it, how much can we truly persuade somebody? And if we can, what's short, our, uh, right. Short Go ahead. Term. It's short term. Yeah. They may do. And, and we 
talk about this in um, people who have been uh, referred from an extrinsic source that they're not coming to care or change their behavior. Be but, and I tell people they made the choice to come now finding a focus on what they want to do about it mm -hmm. is what we can guide them with. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. And we know that persuading people or guiding them to our agenda may have some short term looks like it's beneficial, looks right. like they're doing it. I'm going to stop using because you said I should, because that's how I'll get off of probation, mm -hmm. but it's really not what they want to do because they're just going to do it because they think they have to. And it won't last long. It won't be intrinsic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it, again, I, I just want to restate as a way to kind of maybe identify some key messages for the conclusion of mm -hmm. what I would say about this particular topic. And one is, is that, you know, the suggested ratio is two to one. Mm -hmm two reflections to every question. Again, whether you're doing the reflections or whether you're doing the question, they're intentional and they're related to the change goal. The reflections can actually be an invitation to find out more and to evoke more change talk. And, and I'll, I'll conclude my remarks with saying that I was reminded of a story that's attributed to Bill Miller. And again, I have to put that in quotes, attributed to Bill Miller, because <laughs> Bill Miller seems to have done and said everything. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, the story goes like this. Bill was working with a client who was uh, considering stopping alcohol consumption. And the client was offering change talk in regard to that. And Bill reflected back to the client, you know, you're really ready to make this change. And the client said, no, actually, I'm not ready to make this change. I have to make this change. Mm -hmm. And I love that story, whether it's true or not. <laughs> I love the story because I think what it shows me is that a reflection can be a way to have even deeper understanding of how important something is to somebody. And when I'm practicing motivational interviewing, that's my goal. Mm -hmm. I want to understand how important it is to them, not why I think they should do it. Right. And that was a really great wrap up. And the only thing I want to invite folks to consider is trying reflections in your everyday life with people that you see, maybe you're not helping them change to get a sense of how they feel for you. And can you think intentionally listening to understand people and practicing some reflections? Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Paul. It's sure. always good to talk to you about MI <laughs> and other things. <laughs> during our episode of <laughs> Lions and Tigers and Bears, Am, Am I? I? <laughs> Have a good day, Amy. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. You too.
Thanks for listening to episode six of Lions and Tigers and Bears Am I. Join us for episode seven, where Amy and Paul will discuss giving advice. Cassette Podcast Network. This podcast has been brought to you by the Cassatt Podcast Network, located within the Center for the Application of Substance Abuse Technologies at the University of Nevada, Reno. For more podcasts, information, and resources, visit cassatt.org.